Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Greater Alton Church. It's been a while since I've been up here, and it's good to be back in the saddle for at least a little while. Greg, glad you could be here uh, today. What a beautiful May morning we're experiencing. Hope you use it. Hope you'll enjoy it. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a gift from God to have weather like this. Got a few things to let you know about before we get into our new series here called Foolproof. Uh, Little Prairie Bible Camp is going to be uh, starting up here in just a few few weeks. Uh, in fact, primary week is coming very quickly. And this year we're doing, uh, the theme is Strange Things in the Bible. And uh, we're looking at some of the weirdest, strangest stories in the Bible, along with some of the crazy things that Jesus says when he was on this planet that a lot of people find very weird. And we're looking at also just how strange the world is and how strange we are to the rest of the world. I mean, light and darkness have very little in common. And uh, there's a tension between the world and the kingdom of God. And we're going to be talking to these kids about this. In fact, every week, junior high, high school combined, we'll be doing this. If you'd like to help support a camper, you can do that. You'll notice some mugs out there. I bought a bunch of mugs. I brought them back. And they're asking, I paid 20 bucks for them. So we're asking only 20 bucks from anyone who'd like to support camp a little bit. Buy a little pray coffee mug. Another way you can help is maybe you want to help a, a camper go. I think it's 145 uh, to send a camper. You might want to partially help or send one. Or as I know, Gary Spurgeon said he's going to send two. And so um, I think that's awesome. So if you can do that, that'd be great. Uh, they'll appreciate that. You've probably been hearing about this. Maybe you haven't. There's a special contribution that we're, we've lined out and planned for September the 10th. We're really excited about this. We've been dealing with this note for several years, and by the time September 10th comes, we'll, have, we'll owe $180,000 to this to this note, and we want to get rid of it. And once we get rid of this thing, we pay off this building, we're going to be able to invest in our ministries better. We're going to be able to invest in some people and some staff. And by the way, speaking of staff, we're, we're going, we have a candidate that we're talking and discussing with about coming and working with our high school ministry named James Fish. But this is interesting. His last name's Fish. My last name's Gill. Is there a connection here? I don't know. But he's from Lubbock, Texas, a graduate of Sunset School of Preaching, and we're looking forward to meeting him. He's going to be arriving Tuesday, going to spend the rest of the week with us and Sunday with us. And so hope you'll get to see him. He's going to feel like a baby getting passed around. But hey, you know, we're going to get to know him and talk to him face to face. We're looking forward to that. Be praying about that quite a bit. But those are the things that are coming up. And so um, today we're talking about a new series called Foolproof. Uh, Cassie, Cassie uh, put this together. Uh, this logo, I like that, foolproof, it's playing with our heads a little. And the idea of what's, what's the Bible say about wisdom? We're going to be looking primarily at the book of Proverbs, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Maybe you've heard of this old cliche, it goes like this, too soon old, too late smart. You think about that, There's a lot of truth in that. Yeah, time passes quickly, and at the same time, Wisdom seems to be taking time. And everywhere in between are all these foolish things we do. Maybe you've done something foolish you can think of right now. I can, I've got a list. And if you're having trouble, 
nudge a spouse or nudge a parent or nudge a child, they'll remind you of the foolish things that we've done in between the time we were here on earth and the time that uh, we'll die. But it doesn't. It, it, that's the way it is. And let's just face it. A lot of things that have happened to us in life, a lot of the things that have hurt us, a lot of things that have have uh, failed or have been destroyed, whether it be relationships, whether it be finances, regardless of our age, even our future, has to do with this idea of wisdom, the lack of wisdom. And that's why the Bible urges us to live wisely. Here's the Apostle Paul who knew the Old Testament. He had memorized at least the first five books of the Bible. But most Pharisees knew the whole Old Testament, all 39 books, word for word. And I wonder if he's thinking about Proverbs here. Because look at this passage. He says, so be careful to live your life wisely, not foolishly. Wouldn't you like to be wiser? Every funeral, every other funeral I do, I always talk about the reflections of an 80-year-old woman. And one of the things that, one of the things that this poem says is it mentions, I'd be wiser the next time if I could live my life all over again. I would, I would live a little lighter. I would be a little smarter this time around. And I want you to know, you can, you and I can live this wise life, uh, and we can be wiser. It's possible when we trust the Lord. Every time we trust the Lord, every time you and I trust the Lord, we're able to get His wisdom, His thoughts, His ideas in our life. He wants you and I to be, and He wants you and I to live foolproof. He really does. Now there's two ways you can live this way. Two ways to live wisely. Most people learn and get their wisdom in two different ways. One is from personal experience. We call it the school of hard knocks sometimes. Huh? Um, have you ever said this? I'll never do that again. All right. I, I got it. Note to self. Figured it out. Personal experience is a great tool. Trial and error, we'll call it. Then there's another way, and that's not only personal experience, but provided experience. Maybe we have a sibling, we have an older brother, or we have, or we have a friend, and we learn a lot from there. Provide the, the wisdom they provide, and we say to ourselves, "That's a good idea." Or we watch YouTube. Wayne and I were watching lots of YouTubes this morning, and, and Eli walks up to us, and goes, "Why can't we get young people to get out of their cell phones and walk away?" <laughs> I, I, young people. Wayne and I thought that was sweet. So, <laughs> but you know, but there are, there are things that we learn from watching others. It's provided for us. And you know, the Lord provides us with key thoughts and key ideas. He provides us with His wisdom as, as well. Here in 2 Timothy 2, look at this passage in your notes or up on the screen. Look how He provides for us. The whole Bible, He says, was given to us by inspiration for God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and helps us do what is right. It is God's way of making us well prepared. At every point. Well prepared. It sounds like it's God's way of making us foolproof. We're ready for anything. And this is especially true in the book of Proverbs. You know, Solomon is the key author of the book of Proverbs. Ninety Over 90% of the book is from him. 
And he shares all of the wisdom that God has given him. And it's this provided wisdom from provided experience where he's put the word of God in practice. And he's trying to pass it on to his son. And he also is passing it on to us. Look what he says here early on in the book. In Proverbs 1. It says the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. For gaining wisdom and instruction. For understanding words of insight. For receiving instruction in prudent behavior. Prudent, in other words, wise behavior. Doing what is right and just and fair. And look who he's giving it to. For giving prudence to those who are simple. Knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And let the discerning get guidance. You see, regardless whether you're young or old, whether you're simple or you're already got, you've already got some experience. Maybe you're just starting off. You're trying something or you're into something. Or maybe you've done it for years. Whether you're smart, wise, whatever you want to call it. God wants you to have more wisdom. He wants you to live this life with wisdom. He wants you to be the smartest person in the room. How do I become that? Well, I know this. Some of you know it even as well as I do. It doesn't happen automatic, does it? No, it's, it takes effort. It takes time. It takes patience. It's not easy. And most of all, it takes our faith. It takes our faith because it's wisdom we find is from the Lord. And it's when we put our faith and our trust in God that God begins to build wisdom in our life. And he begins to bless us every time we trust him. Every time we trust him. So I want to look at ten ways we can be the smartest person in the room. Today we're only going to look at five. Next week we'll look at the other five. Let's get right into this. What can I do to be the smartest person in the room? To have God's wisdom. First, I admit I have more to learn. It starts with me. I need to admit, I need to have the humility to, to, to accept the, the truth. And that is, I'm not as smart or clever as I think I am. I'm not as wise as I think I am. No, I have much more to learn. It's very important I learn this. It's very important to accept this. Look at Proverbs again, chapter 1. Solomon begins this book by saying, even the wise could become wiser by listening to these Proverbs. They'll gain understanding and learn to solve difficult problems. I had a fellow, a good friend of mine named James Lampley. We get together every Monday morning for about an hour and a half on FaceTime. We talk about our sermons. We talk about our troubles. And we also help each other, encourage each other, correct each other. It's an interesting conversation. And he said to me, he told me this story just a few weeks ago. He said, you know, Tim, I remember uh, when Kmart was around. And I went to a six-week training course that Kmart gave. And after the six weeks, I came to work, and there was my manager. And he goes, so, James, what did you learn of those six weeks of training? And he said, I looked at him. I said, what I learned was I have a lot to learn. And he said the face, his face was like he beams. He smiles. He says, well, I, I knew that must have been a good answer. And I, and I was right. I still had a lot to learn. There was a lot there. Six years go by, not six weeks, six years go by, and a new manager comes to Kmart, and James gets to meet him. Hi, James, my name's so-and-so, I'm the new manager. I understand you've worked here for six years. He goes, that's right. 
What have you learned the last 10 years? And James says, oh, I told him this and this and this and this and this. And I listed this. I listed that. But his face wasn't impressed. He had a face of disappointment. And I realized, oh, I should have said, I have a lot more to learn. And he said, ever since that time, that's my answer. Because it's true. And people respect it. God is pleased with that humility. If we'll just admit it. Let me show you this picture up here. James sent me this picture. And <laughs> he sent me this this week. It's got to be God here. Stuff you know. That's the green. And then on the, what's it, the blue, uh, it says stuff you know you don't know. And look at the rest. Stuff you don't know you don't know. <laughs> and that's really true when you stop to think about it. That's really how I should see things. There's so many things I don't know. And what I really know is just a sliver of what God wants me to know. I have so much more to learn. That's why Proverbs, in Proverbs, Solomon posts a warning. He, he, he tells us these words here in Proverbs 3. He says, don't ever think that you're wise enough, but respect the Lord and stay away from evil. He says, man, you really need to... Understand that you always have more to learn. It ought to temper us. It should temper you. It should temper me. When we're talking to folks, you know, there's more to learn. There's more to learn. I don't have the, I don't have a monopoly on knowledge. In fact, I don't even have free parking on the board. I mean, it's, it's a sliver of what I know. And so I, I need, if I want to be wiser, if you want to be wiser, what do we do, Tim? Well, we resist that pride that wants us to impress. Or to, my dad used to say to me, Danny and I'd be working on something, and I'd, he'd correct us and say, I know, I know. He goes, yeah, granddad knows. Granddad knows. I go, what are you saying? And granddad would say the same thing when dad, when his, when dad would correct his own father. He'd say, I already know that. And he says, he probably has more of a right to say that than you boys. Here I am seven. I know, I know. Because no, you don't. And it's just, this, just to resist this pride to say, you know what? Let the humility of knowing I need to learn more help me. Because it starts there. If I want to be smart, every student is humble enough to admit, I don't have it all figured out. Here's number two. I respect what the Lord says. I respect what God says. Is it me or am I the only person that, that respects, that I listen to those I respect the most? There's some people, you know, do we listen? Do you, do you respect, uh, listen to people you don't respect? Of course not. No, it's those people you admire, those people you go, you know what? Uh, they, they've, earned, they've earned my ear. Look at the Bible says here in Proverbs 9, the key verse. Wisdom begins with respect for the Lord, and understanding begins with knowing the Holy One. It begins with what? Respect for the Lord. Well, what's that mean? Well, in other translations, or we're probably used to hearing it, to fear the Lord is the beginning of, of wisdom. But it's not talking about this terrorizing fear. No, it's talking about a different kind of fear. It's more of a respect. It's living or being in awe of what we respect. You know, I don't want to be, I don't want to be burned by the boiling pot on the stove. I'm not terrified of the boiling pot, but I respect it. 
I recognize for what it is and its place and my place. And that's what fear of the Lord really means or this idea of respecting the Lord. It's valuing. It's in awe of Him. It's valuing Him. Valuing what the Lord says. It's liking the Lord. I like the Lord and I admire the Lord. And because I like and admire the Lord, I listen. We have people like this in our lives, our parents. Many times, even though we go through this phase where we think our parents are superheroes when we're little kids, and then they, we think they're nimbamboops when we're in junior high and high school, and then all of a sudden they start getting smarter as we get older. We go, maybe they weren't as dumb as I thought they were. But we begin to admire them. We see some things in their character. Maybe grandparents are this way. We see grandparents. Now, I, I talked to my mother. She's 91. I'm still learning from her. She's such a well-read woman. She knows her stuff. She recalls stuff out of literature, literature that I wouldn't even begin. I didn't, never read, never touched that book. <coughs> you need to read that sometime, Tim. But she always has this little quib, this little idea, or her own little proverb to think about. I remember one time she said to me, your grandmother used to say this, they think their dirt ain't dirty. Tim, don't ever forget, your dirt is just as dirty as everybody else. It's wise. And maybe we have a mentor, a teacher, a professor, or somebody we really admire. I really admired our history teacher, Mr. Prater. He drove the bus. And we get into arguments. He'd say crazy stuff like, Hitler was the greatest man that ever lived. I'd go, what? And we'd have this argument back and forth. And he was saying, was, was I really getting anywhere with Tim? And we would go back and forth and I would learn so much from Mr. Prayer. really admired some of his political views and some of his ideas. And there's celebrities. We do this with celebrities. There's those we admire, we like, and we begin to quote them because we like them. We begin to respect them. I was looking at Google. You can do this. Just Google the smartest people on earth. And you can, right off the bat, you'll get the, the smartest living people on earth. And they have Stephen Hawking still on that list. I, somebody's to inform them that he's dead. But, but, they, but then you start looking at all the other people that Google lists. The smartest people that ever lived. Socrates. Or as Bill and Ted used to say in my excellent adventure, Socrates. You know, there's, there's uh, Aristotle. There are people like Da Vinci, Einstein. We know they're smart. Their IQ is off the chart. They're, they're very smart people. And Google lists currently 30 people on this planet that are incredibly smart. And it dawned on me, I have a list, and you do too. Who makes your list? Who makes the list of the smartest people you admire? The people you go, I learn from them. Let me tell you who needs to be on that list. The Lord God needs to be on that list. Why is that? Because the Bible says this. Only the Lord gives wisdom. Knowledge and understanding come from Him. If I admire anybody, I need to remember, I probably got that from the Lord. From the life that He's designed. Let me ask you a question. Just a straight up question. Does God have the last word in your life? Does he have the last word? Or are you still looking for a second opinion? You want to be the smartest? 
God has to have the last word. And so admit you're wrong or admit you don't, you need to learn more. Respect what the Lord says. And when you do that, and if he has the last word, then you can do the third thing. And that is, I make finding God's wisdom my top priority. How many graduates do we have here? Did you stand? Any graduates? Stand up. Anybody? Robert? Yeah. Anybody else? I know there's two high school students. There we go. Fantastic. Fantastic. I got to witness my son, Matthew, get his doctorate in nursing at SIUE. I didn't know what that meant. I get emotional thinking about it. You've got to be pretty smart to get something like that. I watch all these bachelor uh, bachelor degrees. They stand up and it's two-thirds of the graduating body that day. And then I watch this smaller group of doctorates and they stand, and they got the funny hat and he's got the tassel. I go, what's a tassel? It says it means I got 4.9 or higher. What does that mean? He goes, I got straight A's there, okay? You're wondering. Oh. Should have been a neon lights or something, you know? Or a big A or something. I don't know what they're for. But I was so proud and so grateful to say, and I look at each other, we're just teary eyed watching our son get a doctorate in nursing. He's, he's called a CRNA now. By the way, he passed his boards Thursday. So that's all done. The buttons are just popping off. I got a hold of But he has a doctorate in one field. He can't work on your car. Kind of. YouTube has made us smarter, but he's still learning curve, big learning curve. When it comes to anesthesia, that guy knows how to knock you out. He knows how to make you sleep through the worst of difficult things. He's showing me all the tools and all the things he does. And I go, where's the big mallet? Dad, that's, that, that went out with the 1800s. Oh, okay. He shows me all these little tools and all the stuff he has to learn. And of course, he and Denise, Denise being, used to be a respiratory therapist, they start talking in their medical lingo, and here I am. I don't know, understand it. I don't know what they're talking about. Three years he goes through this program. They get with Denise and I via Zoom, the instructors do, with other students that are in different phases of the program. And we're looking at the screen. I go, why are we getting together? Well, Denise Denise says, they're going to tell us something. So we're sitting there and they go, okay, we noticed you have your mother and your father there. And Matt goes, yeah. He goes, okay, Mr. and Mrs. Gill, we need you to understand something. He's about to go through three years of hell. I go, what do you, okay, is it a doctorate in hell? Is that what he's getting? I mean, is that? No, no, no. And they said the first year is going to be this and this and this and this and this and this. He's going to need lots of support, lots of support. That's what I kept hearing. Lots of support, lots of support. You mean money? Oh, no, much more than money. And it's going to, lots of money, but it's going to take lots of support. You're going to have to run the kid. He's not going to be around his kids as much. He's not going to be able to do as much because he's going to be studying his brains out that first year. And that second year, it'll be a make or break. But the third year, he'll, he'll finally let up. It'll be great. I asked him after he, he calls me up on his way back from Marion, Illinois, where he took his test. He said, I passed. I said, oh, Dr. Gill, it's nice. What are you going to do now? I don't know what I'm going to do with all my free time. I think I'm going to go home and watch a movie. <laughs> I said, well, 
And I thought to myself, I can do that. I could become one of those CRNAs. I might be dead before I finish the program, but I think I could do that. How do I know I could do that? Because I know if I made it a top priority, and I gave it the time, I could do that. A lot of people have this idea about wisdom. Oh, that's the wisest people are the, are the professionals in the church, or the preachers in the church, or you're a minister, so therefore you know your Bible. How many times have you said this? Well, I don't know my Bible very well. Let me tell you something. The Bible doesn't say it's for the professionals. There's a lot of unprofessional people in the Bible that God used that didn't know but two or three verses and did some incredible stuff through them. No, it's not up to the professionals. It's not up to the preachers. I hear people say, Tim, look, you do all the study. Just tell us what to do. I go, well, the problem with that is you won't do what you're told. You know what I do? I do what I learn. And so do you. And so it comes from this, this idea of making what kind of priority what kind of priority? How much do you value God's wisdom? The Bible says, look for it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure. Is it silver? Is it hidden treasure? You ever dug for hidden treasure? Look for hidden treasure? I have. And it's all you think about. You get dirty. You get sweaty. You get hurt because you want it so badly. How much does... The wisdom of God. It's compared to rubies and jewels, precious jewels in other Proverbs. See, I've learned in my lifetime, I don't need God's wisdom sometimes. I need God's wisdom all the time. And if I'm going to get His wisdom all the time, it comes with looking and searching for it all the time. <coughs> I... Uh, was reading before, just before the sermon, going back through Proverbs 1. And if you've got a Bible or if you've got a, a, a cell phone, you want to look at Proverbs 1, verses 20, it says that wisdom, wisdom is calling, or it's, it's, it, it's got a rebuke here. In verse 20 it says, Out in the open wisdom calls aloud. She raises her voice in the public square, and she cries out at the city gates and makes her speech. And she says, how long will you who are simple love your simple ways? How long will you fools hate knowledge? And she says in verse 23, repent to my rebuke. Then I will pour out my thoughts to you. Turn to me. Make me a priority. And I'll give you my thoughts. Not some of all, everything I think about, Tim. Everything I dream about. I'll make known to you my teachings. Now the message by verse 29 says this in Proverbs 1. Because you hated knowledge, because wisdom is still rebuking, because you hated knowledge, you had nothing to do with the, the fear of God, because you wouldn't take my advice and brush aside all my effort, all my offers to train you, well, you've made your bed. Now lie in it. You want it your own way? Well, now how do you like it? Don't you see what happens, you simpletons, you idiots? Carelessness kills. Complacency 
is murdered. What's he talking about? He's talking about the casualty, the casualties of complacency, the casualties of carelessness, the casualties of lowering this priority to know what God wants in my life. It's a pretty stern warning when you stop and think about it. He's saying that carelessness of a fool is lethal. That complacency kills, and when you stop and think about it, it does. It kills our relationships. How many relationships do you know? Because we don't choose the wisdom that God offers. We don't do what's right, but we do what we think is right. We lean on our own understanding and not on God's understanding, and we kill a moment to love someone, a moment to forgive someone, a moment to build a bridge, or whatever it be, and it ends up divorce or a fallout or a separation. We could apply that to our, to our finances. It kills, it kills our financial security. It kills our health. It kills the health in our body, our mental health, our emotional health. Every opportunity that comes our way gets killed. It, it gets shot in the head and left for dead. So if you want to foolproof your life, you raise this priority. Where is it when it comes to God's wisdom? How important is to you? Because every one of us can be the smartest person in the room. Nothing's stopping us. Look at Proverbs 4 here. Wisdom is the most important thing. There's the priority there. So get wisdom. If it costs everything you have, get understanding. Treasure wisdom and it will make you great. Hold on to it and it will bring you honor. All the things we should invest our time in. That ought to be in God's wisdom. So I'm, I'm encouraging you and challenging you this morning. Push yourself. Push yourself. Dig a little more. Keep reading. Keep listening. And if you have to go without whatever it is, you go without it in order to get wisdom. Why? Because then you will be blessed. I want to challenge you during this series to read the chapter in Proverbs that corresponds with the day. Now, what is today? Don't say Sunday. What is today? So, chapter 21, where you can start, if you want. Start reading chapter 21. And, and get that highlighter out. Get that ink pen out. And do some coloring in the Word of God. And start going, that verse speaks to me. It'll, it'll do incredible, incredible things. I want to encourage you and challenge you to do something else. Let's discuss this in your small groups or with each other during some coffee or some time together. What did you get? Text each other. What did you get out of that chapter? What verse meant something to you? Let's raise the priority of finding out what God wants. Here's number four. I accept what God, the Lord says. You say, man, these are pretty basic. I know, but we have to start, we have to start pretty basic here, don't we? You see, there's a, something I've learned is there's a difference between receiving and accepting something. Would you agree with that? Look what the Bible says here in James 1.21. Don't be proud, but accept God's teaching that is planted in your hearts. This teaching can save your souls. Would you circle accept and circle plant? Why? Because planting is receiving, but accepting, that's a whole different thing. Can I receive something and not accept it? Absolutely. Can I receive something important and not accept it? Absolutely. You, you have your heart transplanted. 
you have a heart transplant, a kidney transplant, and what happens? Your body either accepts it or rejects it, am I right? And if your body doesn't accept it, can you benefit from it? Absolutely not. No, it's until it, you accept it. Jim Shrimp got a, a, a kidney from his son and he takes medication or so his body will accept it. And does he benefit from it? Yeah, he doesn't have to have dialysis. Same is true of God's wisdom. When I accept it, I benefit from it. I can hear lots of helpful things and not heed any of it or very little of it. So what do you mean? What does it mean to accept it? To, to accept what God says? Well, it means more than hearing it and more than reading about it and knowing it. It means to acknowledge it for, who, for what it is, who it's from. It means to believe it, to trust it, to use it. Wayne Smith and I were having a discussion a couple of weeks ago and he just looked at me and goes, you know, Tim, I've been reading some of this stuff and I'm asking myself a healthy question. This man is a senior citizen, folks. He says, am I really doing this? Am I really going to do what it says here? Because isn't that what it's really about? And I'm sitting there going, wow. I told this to a couple of guys yesterday. And went, how refreshing to hear an older person speak this way. Because a lot of times as we age, we think we've arrived. But you know, a statement like that you make, you go, I haven't arrived. I still got a lot of work to do. So it's, it's this idea of accepting it is when I start using it. How many times have you received a gift from somebody? Or you gave a gift. How would you feel about this if you gave a gift to somebody and you show up at the house and it's still sitting on the counter? They opened it. They got it. But they haven't taken it out of the package and used it. Or you saw it being sold on Facebook Marketplace. <laughs> That's happened, hasn't it? Yeah. How would you feel about that? Would you be offended? Would you be bothered? God's just as bothered. Just as offended. When we, He gives us His wisdom and we put it on the shelf and we don't use it. We, that's not accepting it. That's just attaining something. And it doesn't change our lives. I love this proverb. As a tree produces fruit, wisdom gives life to those who use it. And everyone who uses it will be happy. And number five, probably the most important point of all today, if I really want to be the smartest person in the room, I want to have God's wisdom, It'll, it happens when I love God more than anyone else. I love God more than anyone else. It's interesting, I was reading some stuff about wisdom, and of course you read stuff, you don't know if you believe it, so you start digging, and I start digging. And the, the, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew. There's a Greek translation or Greek version of the Old Testament called the Septuagint. And the word they, the Septuagint uses, by the way, why is, it, why is it important about Greek? Well, the New Testament is written in Greek. And the Septuagint translates this word wisdom into a word called Sophia. I was telling Sophie this morning, I said, I'm going to be talking about you the whole time. She goes, she just started beaming. While you're back there in the back, I'm going to be talking about Sophia says this, and Sophia wants us to do this, and she's like, are you kidding me? I'm a kid. It's a feminine name given to the word wisdom. And, it, and, that, and those Proverbs gives a feminine gender to 
this idea of what wisdom is. It says, stay close to wisdom, it says in Proverbs 4, and she will keep you safe. Look what it says. Love her and she'll watch over you. I'm called to love what God says. And it comes from, and how personal can it be? Sophia. I'm to love Sophia. Let wisdom, look at this, let wisdom, that is Sophia, be your sister. Now, if you've got a bad relationship with your sister, that's not how you're to translate this passage. He's telling, man, be close. I don't know. I, I, I've been around some of you people that have your sisters and your siblings around you, and a lot of you are really tight. Are real tight. And it says here, uh, it says here, uh, let wisdom be your sister. Make common sense your closest friend. You see, you and I are influenced so much by those that we love the most. And when I care about my, my relationship with Sophia, when I care about my relationship with the Lord, when I make the Lord my closest friend, man, that's when wisdom begins. Remember Proverbs 9.10? We looked at the beginning of this lesson. Look at it again. Wisdom begins with respect for the Lord. And understanding begins with knowing God. He's not talking about just knowing who He is, but having a relationship, an intimate, deep relationship with the Holy One. What does it mean to know God? It just simply means to love Him. Listen to Him. He loves you. He loves you so much. Wants what's best for you. Wants to, you know, it's like a parent who's trying to tell their child or telling their teenager or tell their 30-year-old, you know, you really listen to me. What I'm about to tell you will bless your life. You're not saying it to control them. You're trying to bless them lot, their lives. God says these things to us not to control you and I. He wants to bless you and I. He wants to bless us with the best that life has. So if you want to be wise, if you really want to be wise, you love him deeply. It begins with that close relationship with the Lord. Do you have that kind of relationship? Think about that. Next week we'll look at five more that Proverbs mentions. There's more, but we're going to look at five others. And uh, may God bless you as we go through this series together and learn how to foolproof our lives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this lesson today, for reminding us of how good you are, how much you love us, how much you dream for us, and how much you want us to know. You don't want us in the dark. You want the lights on. You want us to, to know your thoughts and your ideas. Lord, I think about Adam and Eve. It wasn't long after Adam was created, you were already talking to him, and you still want to speak to us, to, to, your, to your creation. We pray, Father, you open our hearts, help us listen. Father, right now, we're looking at our relationship with you. Each of us are. And we, inside, we want to know we love you, and we dedicate our life to you again. We're committing our life to you again. We want what you say. We want to respect it, accept it, make it a top priority, especially during this series. Thank you for fully equipping us for every good work by the things that you offer in your word. Oh God, bless everyone here. 
Give us open hearts, humble hearts, and accept the words and the ideas and the thoughts, even the correction that you plant in our hearts these next several weeks. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Oh Lord, please change my heart. Show me where to start. I want to be all you want me to be. Thank you.